I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Lindsay Parry. Lindsay has 25 years experience of delivering transformation in organizations of all sizes across many sectors. You always get a sense that a podcast will be a great podcast because it, the conversation just flowed and that's definitely the case on this one so I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Let me now introduce you to Lindsay. Okay well thanks Lindsay, uh, thanks for agreeing to, to join us today. Um, like me you, 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 you've got I think you've, you, you state that you've got over 25 years experience of delivering change and transformation across multiple yeah. sectors including retail logistics, not-for-profits, etc. Um, so just, you know, it'd be good just to get a brief overview, brief summary of your career to date and, and how you transitioned into transformation in the first place. Uh, nice to be here, Tony. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Um, my background really is, as you say, in kind of leading and designing and delivering large-scale strategic change programmes, I suppose you'd call it. And very much a hands-on kind of person and very much hands-on role even if I sort of you know with a title that suggests otherwise um and it comes from a background you know in my early days of management consulting people like EY and then through retail um there were lots of transformation programs you know kind of often I suppose from three main categories um someone creating a new service, kind of prompted by that. So it might be introducing a new product range in retail or a new channel to market. Um, and that was very prevalent for kind of 10 or 15 years of my career. Um, when, and, and even, you know, more recently than that, retailers were focusing on kind of complementary online offerings. So that became a new form of, you know, trying to transform, trying to introduce something new um, and responding to kind of the conditions of the day, looking to exploit the new opportunities. I think the second one, um, in terms of where the transformation came from, was you know a, a major shift in operating model um, or a major shift in the focus of the business. So that might have been supply chain and logistics, warehouse automation. That was a huge scale project that I worked on, and, and I think that was a trend for a while as well. Um, and then, you know, it's, I suppose that's about building future capability and yes. new options um and then some of my programs as well came from post-acquisition integration and mergers uh so delivering the benefits from exploiting uh the offer of one organization in a new market or merging two retailers or uh getting the benefits from different sectors you know applying across the different customer segments and combining strengths and all that sort of yeah. stuff so quite different in terms of where the transformation programs came from but i think that kind of my point for that would be that i'm not sure that they were genuinely transformation right um i think that the nature of them was sometimes maybe in the mergers and acquisitions looking to take the business in a slightly different direction but in the main it was the same direction but more so yeah. I'm not sure I'd necessarily call them transformation but of course we all know that titles change don't they over yeah. time and 10 or 15 years ago change management probably wasn't that well thought of as a discipline separate to project management so yeah, absolutely yeah so so which leads us on to another question i suppose a related question um around your definition of transformation 
what, mm. what, how, how would you define transformation these days? Well, I think there's a bit of a history to it. Um, because I think, I, I don't know for definite, but I do believe that it probably came originally um, into my vocabulary a few years ago when we were thinking about digital transformation. Mm -hmm. And I think the latest sort of buzzwords are around agile transformation. And, and I wonder whether the next generation of it will be around sustainability. And I think that's gathering pace and that will be yet another transformation. Mm -hmm. But for me, the truest sense of the word um, that I think is probably overused, but the truest sense of it is if you've got an agenda for transformation, you've got to be transforming into something new. The caterpillar to butterfly is kind of a very overused example, but but I think it is about pursuing a fundamentally different operating model or way of working, uh, whether that's a reaction to market opportunity or whether it's a genuine shift in focus and using your strengths and knowledge in a different way. Kind of doesn't matter, but it's to be a genuine pivot, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think there's still merit in using the word transformation because it kind of promotes the need for a different mindset or or a way of looking at the future. Um, but I'm not necessarily sure that it applies to all of the programs that I would have worked on with that title in the past. No, I agree. And I think uh, I, we, we ask that question quite a lot on these podcasts. And I think the. Um, the general consensus is exactly what you just said. It is. It's about taking a uh, uh, taking an organisation from one state to another state, and, and and those two states being completely not completely different, but fundamentally different. Yes. And um, um, but 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 I think um, it, it is getting to become a, an overused term. And um, just general business improvement type of activities now are being called transformation. Um, and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, or a bad thing or a good thing, I'm not too not too sure. And 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 I think you know the point you just raised around um, it being a mindset and, and getting people to understand that actually we have to move forward and we have to transition from one place to another. Yeah, it, it's probably it's probably not a bad not, not a bad thing really. Mm. I think in fact. I wonder whether transformation is transforming in a way, because it, kind of back to the point of history, I think where we are with it now, digital transformation kind of started, you know, to become even integrated with day-to-day -day operations for organisation a few years ago. It was no longer a department on the side and, and no longer a load of specialists with their own budget um, you know, kind of trying to do a bit of experiment at the side of an organisation. I think now employees are expected to have, you know, digital options in their mind, I suppose, when they're making decisions and they're reviewing what might be next. And I think the same will happen with agility and the need to be kind of good at change in every role, at every level in the organisation. And, you know, change can't continue to be the domain of a single team, just like digital couldn't be that. And oh, yeah you know, it used to be wrapped around discrete initiative change. And I think now there's too much change and the pace is too fast and the yes. consequences of not being able to keep up are, are you know, sort of too great for organisations, I guess, as we've sort of seen quite sadly in, in 2020. No, I was going to say, it's if, we, if we've ever had an experience of how change can, can be transformative and and... Um, how it impacts everybody in the organisation and, and, and in reality everybody in the organisation needs to be involved 
it's what's happened over the last 12 months, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly that. And I think hindsight lets us see that sort of pattern, doesn't it? Of, you know, there's something new and it's on the side. We explore, we experiment, we break some new ground. And then we kind of look to integrate it as a core competency across the organisation. Um, and, you know, and that kind of repeats itself. And, and maybe that's what we're seeing now with things like agility and the whole change you know last year people are used to it now they are they might not have liked it at first but you know whether they've engaged with it well or not they've certainly you know built a bit of um uh, a bit of experience for themselves into what it what it actually feels like to be involved in a massive change to be to sort of be expected to react in the moment um and and that's all agility is so so yeah maybe we are on the same path as the digital transformation now and and people are naturally accepting change and dealing with it more efficiently than than they were before yeah it will be interesting in the next 12 months i think just to see how people react uh, because in my opinion it's not going to slow down so that those people that have, have, have been maybe thinking well we, haven't we done really well to keep keep afloat over the last 12 months and did we do loads and loads of change well that's just going to happen and continue to happen and probably at, at a faster pace yeah. so you know you haven't got time to sit back and reflect on the glory really and uh, and that'll be an interesting challenge for lots of people I think it will and and um it's something that I'm fascinated by is that organizational agility and um and how we support organizations to kind of get started with that and recognize what they're doing hmm. um and recognize the skill that they've got in doing that and and kind of encouraging a culture which makes the most of that makes the most of that new capability that they've got so sort of shifting behaviors and then mindset and ultimately the culture in a way that will unblock the organization so it's you're reducing the impact of things like siloed working and maybe the outdated hierarchies that we've got and and the general noise that's been holding the organization back for years maybe you know just seeing that we are more agile as organizations now and building on that as a strength and playing to that as a strength yeah. um will will get us to break some good ground i think organizations will need support so there's hope for us change managers yet <laughs> i don't think we're out of a job yet um, oh, absolutely absolutely and I, I, I think um it, it's also about making sure that the right people are in the right place at the right time yeah. and we and we all um, provide an impact into the change agenda at different stages depending upon our energies and, and where, where, where we are um, in terms of um, our, our core skill sets and our, our, you know, the, the, the kind of areas that we want to get involved in where we can deliver maximum maximum impact and mm. uh, I've been doing doing a bit of work with GC Index uh, which is a tool that looks at really identifies sort of five types of people in terms of the impact that they deliver to um change or transformation or, or generally in terms of business and 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 the, the fiber the game changer so people the person that are the people that come up with the ideas and very 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 much sort of like is like they come up with ideas innovative mm-hmm. and then you've got what they call the strategist which are the people that take those ideas and try to make sense of them and start to put a plan together around what it means to get that into the organization and, and, and how it all fits together. 
Yeah. And then you've got the implementers. You know, the, I suppose they, the, what, what we would classify the, the you know, traditional sort of project management type of skill sets that are there to, to get it in place. Uh, and then you've got the polishers, which is, again, mm. what my terminology would be the business improvement, continual improvement type of person, the lean type of uh, in, in individual that are constantly looking to improve what's there to make it work as effectively as possible. And then in the middle, you've got the playmaker um, who are the people that I suppose bring people along on the journey and, and, and coerce and, and, and have, a, have a, an aptitude across all four areas, but really deliver through other people. Um, and it's a, it's a fascinating tool and um, so insightful um, in uh, taking organisations through change because it helps you to get the right people in the right place at the right time in that transformation journey. It's, it's, it does sound fascinating and I think that it's that combination of people that um, you know and, and getting them to work together yeah. and bringing those their individual strengths to the problem solving and to the journey I think is key and it's something that's definitely promoted in terms of um, what I would call agility yeah. and, and what agility would mean to me would be to really make the most of the strengths of individuals. And you mentioned earlier energies and, and where we get our energy from is really important because if we're putting square pegs into round holes, that's going to drain the organisation hugely. Yeah, um, and. Yeah, so so playing to the strengths of the individuals, really, it does all sorts of things. It, it's a massive boost in terms of engagement. Yeah. It's a massive boost in terms of purpose. And there's so much research that's gone on uh, in recent years on, on how we react to change and how we benefit from playing to our strengths, yeah. that those sorts of things are, I think, no longer elements that leaders can ignore I think they they have to be considering a much broader spectrum of characteristics when they're putting a, a change team together or when they're considering uh, any form of large-scale change even if that large-scale change is starting with some small steps yeah you start to you know start to really take into account a much broader um set of um i guess it's it is characteristics a much broader set of characteristics that will help make that team as successful as it can possibly be and so playing to those you know to those polishers to those playmakers to those ideas people and getting their natural energy would be something that i would really encourage and and sometimes it is about asking the leaders to take a much broader view and a much um, a much bigger role in the change than perhaps they've yeah. done in the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I think so. it's the, the the key to the key to the uh, index in particular is understanding where the individuals are within that spectrum. Um, yeah. Because the nat the the natural um, position of a strategist will always be to challenge and question. So if we've gone through the process or, or if, we've, if we've gone through and starting to implement, they will always try to bring, pull people back. So let's mm -hmm. go and check whether or not we're doing the right thing and are we doing it in the right way and, and almost yeah. going back to square one. And, and I'm sure you, you've been in, I certainly have, I've been in lots of programmes. Yeah, where, absolutely. That, what, I, you we, know what? We've made that decision um, six weeks ago. Yeah. 
and and it I think you do have to come back to decisions I wouldn't follow them blindly forever I do think that that's a, a real uh, skill knowing when to make a decision and then revisit it yeah. and the art of decision making with the right people in the room and getting the buy into that decision yeah. will be the thing that gives you the speed and the momentum that you need rather than that stop start journey yeah. um, and we've we've used um some of the work we've done we've used a tool called strength scope yeah. which i just wonder whether would complement your index really well in that it pulls out the natural strengths in the individuals it it helps them to play to those strengths and not worry about the ones that are not at the top of the list but if you combine that with your index yeah. I think what you'd get is some incredibly energized people yeah. and therefore some results coming out of the other end of that, which will be far in excess of the if you like, stated benefits. Yeah. I think what you get are byproducts when you go with something like that. Absolutely, we want to hit milestone X and these are the changes we're looking to create. But actually, put your strongest team on, play into their strengths, knowing what each other's strengths are as well. Then you will definitely get byproducts from that. There'll be yeah, other ideas. There'll be other change. There'll be other things that we could just slot in. There'll be a lot about. Oh, what about if? You know, a bit more experimentation, which, to be honest, we could all do with. Absolutely. And, and I think it, it, the, one of the things you've just touched on those about the team, and and it's the strongest team. It's not necessarily the the, the strongest individuals. It's the team that matter. Uh, and I use a sporting analogy all the time. A, a, a team of superstars very rarely win things. It's the team itself that that that, that will determine success, and um, and and the people within that team understanding what their role is and how they contribute and how they help each other. Um, yeah. it, it's interesting. A, a, pod, a couple of weeks back, or a couple of pods back, um, 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 with uh, with Chris, he was uh, in the special forces, and he was, and, and we were talking about um, the how how you build that teamwork within special forces, and 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 I remember we were talking about um, my role is to look after the person to my left and look after the person to my right, because if I do that, I know they're doing exactly the same to me, so that's the safest point I can be if I'm looking after them. And, and it's that sort of teamwork, isn't it, that really will make the difference? It is. And it's fascinating as well, because I think that what we don't do often enough, I wonder, Tony, is do we do we look at the organisation in that way? You know, we might look at individual teams, yeah. um, but do we then scale that up and look at the organisation as you know a collection of parts a, a, yeah. a collection not just of individuals but of functions and how they work together and do we ever take that truly kind of holistic mindset when we're trying to solve change because just as we've been saying if you've got a strong team know know who's got their back they know each other's strengths they know that they're working well together and they're meshing well together then then the sum of that is is going to be greater when we look at organizations sometimes you know we might look at we're looking at operating model we might look at the hierarchy and the the org structure or we might pursue the culture yeah or one week you know the flavor of the month is continuous improvement on process yeah. and then the next time it's oh we need a leadership development program 
And unless we look at the whole thing... Yeah, they're just tactics, aren't they? They are. And I think that's that's sort of what we've been talking about from a team's perspective, I think needs to scale up. And one of my big bugbears often is an organisation that doesn't necessarily understand um, what they're asking in terms of a big change. So are they really considering, you know, we all we all talk about vision and what's your vision and why you're trying to get and why you're trying to get there and, and what are you trying to get out of it? But have you got a really watertight argument for it? Mm. And do you know with real operational clarity what the new world looks like and what does that mean for you and your team? And, and I think that there is there is a missing link in getting leaders to consider the whole of the organization almost yeah. a systems thinking approach uh, and you know if we get it at team level and we can see the difference at team level why not think about that from an organization level think about all the moving parts the connections and, and joining those dots between customers and employees and the organization itself and and it's it's capability and it's it's od and it's leadership yeah. It's, it's, it's understanding that um, end-to-end element, isn't it? it it's you know it's, we we work a lot of times on processes and stuff, and and we always talk about we need to look at the end-to-end process because if you play around with something in the middle or you play around with one function, that function or that activity will have a knock-on effect with everything else. And if you don't consider the end-to-end element, you've no idea what the impact's going to be. Because you might make one change here that has a knock-on effect three or four steps down the way, and you, you've not considered it. Mm. Uh, there's there's a project I got involved with years ago, and um, it was a, a supply chain program, and they were looking at new technology. Um, um, it was a platform change. It was looking at the you know across Europe platform change. Um, but when they um, was doing the specification, they really specified it for the UK operation. Mm-hmm. Um, believing in, in, in retrospect incorrectly that all the other European uh, operations were op- operating the system in exactly the same way. Yeah. And as we all know, adaptations happen, processes change, and there, were, there, were, there was a massive, it was, it, was, it was a significant risk to a ma- one of their major customer um, uh, contracts. Mm. Uh, because they hadn't considered that more, at, at a more of a holistic uh, perspective, yeah. um, and and it was a it was a major showstopper, um, as you can imagine. Yeah, and and I don't I'm not suggesting that it's easy. I think for leaders to take that perspective, but I do think that leadership roles have moved on. Mm. You know, sponsoring change has moved on. You can't be hands-off anymore. You have to be in there. You have to understand what's going on. And and in doing that, you know, especially leaders have got, you know, a broader span when it comes yeah. to looking at the organization. If we can get them just to take that level down and 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 really understand and really challenge, you know, what does this mean for all the different parts of the organization, um, then I think their ability to to kind of, I suppose, clear out the distraction and keep the change on on track and to learn from any glitches that come along, you know, the value that they could add would be so significantly more than potentially some sponsors of change are adding at the moment. Yeah. And that would definitely, definitely speed things up. It's just that stepping back, isn't it? And it is. uh, be- before you sign everything off, 
just step back and ask probably three or four big questions. And if, if you can answer them, great. And if you can't, just do a little bit more work before you before you start running down this path. Yeah, um, But all too often, what I find is that the process of getting things signed off takes too long and and um when the when when the approval comes through um there's not the a, a delayed approval comes through there's not the necessary change to the deadlines so you're always running behind schedule mm. so it, it's all systems going let's just get get on to the doing the delivering because we've got to catch up and and, and yeah. that's that is always a recipe for disaster it is it is. I think it's that, you know, diving into the delivery too quickly. Uh, it's that old adage, isn't it? Measure twice, cut once. Yes. And and the more you do that in advance, you know, and I guess coach and persuade the leadership team to zoom in and zoom out appropriately um, at appropriate times along that journey that's the thing that's really going to make a difference between your changed program that works and other changed programs that get shelved. And then they get shelved for all kinds of reasons, you know, because the, the, the business can't maybe afford to go any further. Sometimes it's about it not being able to sort of sustain that level of change. People get exhausted by it or even, you know, it becomes irrelevant. Yeah. And I think the more hands on the leaders are and the more support the leaders themselves have to engage at the right way in the right time notwithstanding sort of how pushed for time they are I think the more successful the change will be and the more engaging it will be for the individuals that are sort of tasked with delivering it I agree and, and, and it'll be very very much embedded into the overall vision and the overall um, mm. um, yeah, the, the overall vision for the business um, and yeah. that, that, that big picture um, and by keeping hold of that and making sure and reflecting on whether or not we're 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 moving towards that or moving against it um, is always a, a good barometer as as you, as you yeah. go through the process just to see whether you're on the right path. And one of the things I've done in the past is literally look at you know you you look at the target of the change. What are you trying to change? What are your first set of things that you're going to change? And if you look at it from four different perspectives and you if you like, you know, see how many things you're trying to change in terms of individual strengths or individual capabilities that you've got in the organisation. See how much on your list is process change or tech change or, um, if you like, capability change. Yeah. And then how much are you changing the organisation in terms of its uh, if of its structure of how value flow flows through or how decisions get made. And then finally, how much are you actually changing? Uh, anything to do with the cultural landscape around comms or relationships or well-being even and actually if all of your effort is going into the process side of it and not the other three then you're probably going to come unstuck yeah so so you know sometimes it's quite a good you know sort of check and balance to say you know out of the 50 things that are on our list I guess in the in in years gone by we've done a heat map but we're talking about heat map at organisational level here, just to balance whether we're spending too much of our energy and our budget um, on process when actually we, we need to compensate and make sure that we're looking at the, 
the structure of the organisation, the culture and the individual strengths as well. Yeah, and do you find that a lot of times people will say they're looking at those four areas, <laughs> but actually they give a they give a very simple view of maybe two of them and put all their uh, all their eggs in one basket or or one or two baskets and put all their energies in those. Um, and and yeah, they they've got a tick in the box to say they've looked at it, but they're not really doing it in in a in the right way or in the in, 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 in the way that's necessary to ensure that the change could get delivered. Absolutely. I think you're spot on there, Tony. They, I think what happens in my experience is there is that cursory glance, but naturally people um, gravitate towards where their specialism is, where they know, where they know most. And quite often they gravitate towards the, the more logical side of things. So the process improvement. Sometimes the org structure, but there's always that shying away from from anything which is, you know, remotely connected with emotion, and therefore the cultural and the and the harder leadership stuff um, can get forgotten or or left behind. So you end up with a new set of processes which are out of kilter with the natural behaviours of the organisation or the way in which is led or structured. So you don't get the maximum benefit out yeah. of it. Um, so I, I, I find that um, having a sponsor um, of, a, of an initiative that isn't running that part of the business, mm. so it, they're not accountable for that part of the business, um, is, 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 can be a massive benefit because they can take a more independent view and mm. keep pulling people back uh, to, to look at those four areas um, consistently. Um, because they're not, they've not really bought into, or they, they're not, they, they haven't got full ownership of the of the organisation that they're making the change to. Um, so they can be can be slightly independent. And uh, um, I, I know when when I've worked on projects where, where that's happened, again, it just it keeps us keeps keeps the project team on the straight and narrow. Oh, interesting, interesting. It is that argument, isn't there, to say if you if you if you're going to going to own the benefits, then you're going to take a more active view in the in the kind of delivery and, and of a of a change and how well it gets delivered. But I think your point of view is really interesting, and and it kind of depends, I suppose, whether that sponsor has that more organisational mindset. Yeah. So is there for is, you know doesn't have any particular tie to and there's no internal competition, which you do get. You know, my function is better than yours. Um, if you haven't got that and that's removed and they've genuinely got um, a real leadership organizational mindset, maybe, you know, real vision of, of what they're trying to do ultimately for the customer or, or whatever that might be. I, I can see that that would be fantastic because they'd be not only removed from the, from the outcomes, but potentially removed from some of the personalities, yeah. which we have to admit they do get in the way Absolutely. sometimes um, and you can build a strong team of people that know one another, but you can also give yourself headaches by, we'll have all seen it, you know, by putting the same people on yep. the projects all the time, or they're great at solving problems, they're always our go-to person for the project. And what you end up with there is, you know, potentially a lack of creativity because that person is probably exhausted anyway. Um, but even if they're not exhausted, they, you know, 
you're not bringing new blood you're not bringing new ideas because there's a fear because you you kind of tend towards that safe pair of hands absolutely um, and, and and the rest of the people within the business feel that the change is being done onto them rather than um, getting involved because it's the same people that's doing it all the time yeah that's right and i think there's a thread there which is around organizations and thinking about change and continual change and and how that's going to set them up to do well in the future is around investing in the talents of all the people not just those that are potentially sort of higher performers but you know really investing in um in not just telling them they've got a new title but giving them the support to do that role to the best of their ability for them personally to get the most out of it, yeah. but for the organization to benefit the most from it. And I, you know, I wonder, I had this conversation recently with someone, whether at some point soon those those organizations that are not doing that will start to feel the pinch of talent going elsewhere. Um, I do think that embedding change throughout the organization is a real opportunity on all levels, from an individual perspective, right. leadership perspective, but also you know, from 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 an organisational uh, benefit and future proofing perspective, uh, but investing in the talents of of all the people and not the favourite few. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's harsh. Maybe that's not happening. But, but I think you know, change is inevitable, and if you're not changing, you're dying effectively, aren't you? Because the, the the rest of the marketplace is moving forward. So you, you've got to be nimble. You've got to be agile. So that sort of change approach change mindset um change capability um is i believe uh uh, getting more and more important for a a more and more important skill for individuals to have um whether or not organizations are recruiting at that uh, for for those skills at this stage remains Mm. to be seen i'm not too sure you know that they will recruit program managers or change managers, but day to day, are they are they are they looking at people who who've got experience of changing ways of working or changing the way that they do things in the personal life? Yeah. I don't know whether that's a core competence that people are recruiting for, but I think moving forward, it will become a a bigger, a, 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 um, certainly more important skill set to have. I think so. And I I, it, I think it would be worth exploring that with recruiters, really, especially when the sort of market is is as it is. And, you know, I think that's a really good point because it's not necessarily going to be something that features potentially, you know, on a supply chain manager's CV. Yeah. You know, I'm great at changing the process of change. Well, you know, is that something that you'd ask them to pull out? And is that something that employers would look for? But that whole you know, your personal strengths in terms of, you know, your desire to continuously learn new stuff, your desire to collaborate, potentially, your desire to create new advantages for the organisation, those things could be very relevant in every job you recruit for. And at some point, and I'd really love that to be in the next 12 months, that gets to the top of a recruiter's list, because actually we've realised how valuable those skills have been uh, during the last 12 months. Yeah. And, and wouldn't that be fantastic? There's a great story that, I, um, that um, I've recounted a few times about an organisation in Japan who, when you join them, 
um, what they do is they don't they they sort of account for you not being enrolled. I don't know whether it's six weeks or so after you first join. And rather than your sort of standard induction that we would all recognize when we join a new organization, what they do is they um, they give you free reign of the organization for six weeks. And what they say is, what did your last company do better than us? Right. Interesting. And so they genuinely, you know, it's not a pre-formatted meet this person on Friday, this person on Monday, this is your induction program. It's a what can we learn from you? We haven't invited you into our organization to become you know, so that we can mould you into yeah. our shape, which is often what happens. You know, yeah. you think yourself when you recruit, or oh, will they fit the culture? Well, maybe it's a good idea for them not to fit the culture. Mm-hmm. And, and this organisation did exactly that. God, Philip, it might have been 12 weeks, actually, not six. And 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 it's free reign. What what did your last company do better on you with your fresh pair of eyes where we were missing a trick? And you, you can imagine how much value must that add Yes. If you've recruited well for someone with the right mindset to do that, and that's been, you know, on your agenda when you've been going through the recruitment process, the value coming out of that must be immense. And actually, it's not really cost them a huge amount, has it? No, 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 that's right. That's right. Because, you know, in reality, for the first sort of six to 12 weeks, people are not necessarily that productive anyway. And they're probably going to be a damn sight more productive because they'll have strong relationships with people that have yeah. been forged through the, the engagement that they have across yeah. the organisation. So, yeah, the, the, like I say, there's probably very little downside, but significant upside for the yeah. organisation and the individual and, and the Absolutely. team. Absolutely. I can't think of, a, of an organisation in the UK that, that that does that, but maybe that maybe there are. Maybe there are. Some of these more sort of, I don't know if you've read La Lou, but some of these more teal kind of organisations, maybe they do that. Well, we should we should put the challenge out to the UK, and uh, if, if any organisations are doing it, let us know because it'd be yeah. great to get the morning talk about it. Absolutely, that would be a brilliant conversation. Yeah, definitely, fantastic. Brilliant. So, um, you know, one of the one of the areas that we cover off quite a lot on these pods is you know, as as organisations are going through change and transformation, and as individuals are going through change and transformation, it can become very stressful for individuals for teams and for the organization as a whole um, and you know especially over the last 12 months we've all experienced completely different stresses um, but what do you do to sort of look to alleviate that stress and what you know what lessons have, have you learned that uh, help you sort of overcome those day-to-day stresses mm, good question I think in the main when I'm actually in the thick of it, um and somebody had to point this out to me because I didn't realize I'm actually quite calm right. when I'm in the thick of it and I think if you can look at it as if you like a problem to be solved or a series of problems to be solved and I'm a problem solver by nature I'm right. a mathematician by background many years ago um but it, it is a, it is a process it is looking at it as we need to get to the root cause, find the real problem, do a bit of exploring, a bit of curiosity, and solve it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that measured and logical approach helps to stay calm. Yeah. And of course, if you're relatively calm and and conceive and just the next step, then 
then that I think would generally be the way that I would alleviate my stress. And I think it's something that's probably been honed over years. So I'm not that aware of it um, until someone pointed it out to me, but I think that's what it is. And I think the other thing about sort of managing that, you know, potentially that feeling of, of being overwhelmed is, you know, finding somewhere real belief that you're on the right path Mm. that you know that we're going to get better at at making the change an everyday part of what we do that we're going to get better at delivering it and you know and I do genuinely believe that people want to do a good job uh, you know find them a legitimate legitimate connection to something and they'll be engaged and motivated to make it happen and I think it's that again which helps to reduce the stress it's that belief that focus on the future that kind of calmly taking the one step at a time um potentially helps to stop the stress building up totally agree totally agree and 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 when you are and become aware of it when when you are uh, be, be, be have the awareness that you are getting stressed and, and take action um, and not just put your head in the sand and, and ignore yeah. it is, 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 is a key. Um, and have yeah. someone to turn turn to, I find, to chat yes. things through that's not not involved because, and it's not necessarily, in my ex- experience, it's not necessarily for them to come up with a solution. It's by talking it through, you almost, you, you go through the solution process yourself, don't you, in your head as you're talking it through. You do. I've heard that called the teddy bear principle. Have you heard of that? No, I've not. No. Explain it to your teddy bear and they won't answer you back, but you'll okay. feel a lot better and you'll probably work it out for yourself. <laughs> no, it, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's, that's not, a, I've never heard it say that, but you know, I, I, um, in the past I've been doing quite a lot of cycling and some of the best conversations I've ever had is when I've been out on my own on a bike. I can sympathise with that when I run. I run in all weathers sometimes, and sometimes there's nothing in my head, and sometimes everything's in my head. Um, but inevitably, there's there's something pops out where you just think, "Oh yeah, that's the one. That's that's the takeaway from this run." <laughs> yeah, which is a perfect segue into oh. the final question, really. Oh, okay. So, um, and it is a takeaway. So if, if you if you if you could sort of um, pull all of your experience together and you have one piece of advice, the takeaway for today, what would, what would that be in terms of successfully delivering transformation? I think that for me, the best thing you can do is to focus on an environment where the change is a positive experience for everyone. And the reason I say that is environment covers a multitude of things Mm. but if it is a positive experience and people are engaged then you really are not going to have to try too hard with your momentum so focus on the environment what is that environment and I think from leaders you know that need to tune into change in a different way as we were saying earlier for them I think there's probably three things to create this environment one would be to really optimize the performance of your team so we've said this earlier but understand what drives them what builds their resilience and how you can help them do that and support them to really see them at their best I think the second thing that the leaders can do is to really get under the skin of the vision what are you asking people to do 
understand the changes that you're putting people through, the implications for the operation of your business, whatever that is, for tech and for performance. And so be at one, don't be surprised when performance dips. Really understand what you're putting people through and what to expect. And then I think the final part of a, of a great environment is, is really about playing to the strengths and continually learn and treat the team like winners so that you build that confidence and belief that you're going to get there. Uh, and then I suppose at the end of it, when you've got that environment, just get on with it. <laughs> and celebrate the successes. Absolutely. We're, we're all ready for a good old celebration, I think, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Just bring back the old uh, let's let's uh, yeah, let's have a party at the end of the project. There's few have gone on in Zoom. I've seen them on Zoom and people are, are doing fantastic things to make the most of where we currently are Absolutely. and to continue to celebrate successes. But it would be so nice if there was a, 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 if there wasn't a, a screen between time. everyone. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for that. I think that's a perfect way to to end this show. So uh, once again, Lindsay, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure and uh, really enjoy the conversation. My pleasure. I have too. And I've enjoyed the tangents we've gone off at. So it's been <laughs> brilliant. Thanks a lot, Tony. Brilliant. Lindsay, that was amazing. Thank you very much for your time and um, really enjoyable conversation. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you once again. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and leave some feedback. It's always good to uh, get a sense of how people are feeling about the episodes. And uh, if you have any questions for Lindsay or myself, again, please um, include them in the comments or send us an email. Um, and also take a look at the Transformation Leaders Hub. Um, it's, uh, we've just upgraded to a new platform, which is really interactive and very good. Uh, really nice user interface so uh, if you haven't already take a look at it it's uh, a great place to get to know and meet up with your peer group within Change and Transformation so uh, once again thank you very much Lindsay and uh, I look forward to seeing you all again at the next episode which is in two weeks time thank you